0: Hi everyone, I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. It's another episode of the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND. The Golden Knights enter the second quarter of this season, and the crew examines the club's recent play, including the return of Malcolm Subban from injury. Special guest Kelly McCrimmon, Golden Knights' assistant GM, lends insight into how the Vegas roster was constructed. The process and what the staff is doing now to build for the future. For the quiz, our theme is the best fill in the blank. For example, the best mustache in hockey. And among our razor fold categories, William Carlson scores 30, real Christmas trees, and more. Oh, and Sheriff introduces a brand new category to our fact check. It's hashtag SLGND. Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave. And now, Here's Dave.
1: All right, Dan Duva, thanks very much. Coming to you from our studios in Vegas, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND. It is great to have you with us, as always. Our, our podcast brought to you by Foley Food and Wine. Bill and Carol Foley created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the Society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life And they look forward to hosting you during your next visit. So Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, the TV analyst for your Vegas Golden Knights, Gary Lawless, Golden Knights insider, Dan Duva, radio play-by-play voice of the Golden Knights, all with you from Vegas for our podcast here, midweek podcast. And um, we've got a lot of things coming up on the show. We're going to talk to Assistant General Manager Kelly McCrimmon coming up a little bit later on. We'll also go around the NHL with our... Quiz, Of course, it's uh, Movember. We're going to get into that a little bit. And um, the lawman came up with this idea of best, you know, best this, best that. So we'll get into that a little bit later on in our show. But uh, before that, um, I guess maybe just an overall assessment, Sheriff, we'll start with you of where this team's at right now, coming off a five-game winning streak, suffered a setback in their last game, but... They've been able to overcome the goalie injuries. Spees has been out. Perron's been out. How do you think they've been able to kind of do this through the first 22 games of the year?
2: Well, a loss, but you win five in a row. And, And what I like about those games, and I'm going to go back early, go back to Vancouver when they really got set straight after a terrible loss against Edmonton where they didn't have anything going in that game. They responded the right way. I thought their game picked up, played really well on the road, which was important for this team because we know they've been rolling at home. You have the home crowd. But to be able to do it away from home, and I thought two of their best games actually in that streak were Vancouver and Anaheim. Really solid, well-played games. Had a good one against L.A. They've kind of fallen off, could kind of feel this one coming. I don't think they played really well in their last two wins, but they found a way to win, which is to me is a sign of a good team. You have to be able to win different ways. So even when you're not at your best, You find a way. I'm interested to see how they're going to bounce back because last night in the game, were they bad? Not really. They had a, a bad stretch. They played a team, and I talked to Stu Barnes, ran into him after the game, assistant coach for Dallas. He said that was the Stars' best game of the year. They played exceptionally well on their own end. Ben Bishop was there when they needed it, they got the offense. Uh, and it wasn't from their top guys it was that secondary scoring as Fox and his line were able to come up with the three goals so it's been good now it's a matter of uh, you know that next game mentality how does it go uh, you know I really
3: like the first period for Vegas except for one thing they couldn't get you, you can't score on Ben bishop from the perimeter he's six seven you've got to get to just the edge of the blue paint and you've got to get traffic you've got to get pucks on him hopefully get him you know, down on his knees and then maybe have an opportunity to bang something by him in that regard. They didn't get any of that going. And they, I thought they were pretty good, but weren't able to to score. And it kind of, for me, I, it was like the, the, the tension wire got tight at that point. Well, and that's In why,
2: interesting watch going forward. They haven't had to mm. deal with this. Goals were goals were coming at a premium for them exactly. uh, all the time. Now yep. that's that's going to be the big adversity after being shut out for the first time.
1: Well, you mentioned, Shane, and I. I you, know, you hear coaches say a lot, you can be playing poorly, not poorly, but not at your best and still find ways to win, and it seems like they did that the previous two games before losing to Dallas. Then you can also play well and still lose. But at some point, it, it turns the other way. And that was kind of the feeling I had last night. They, I think they felt they didn't have their legs the previous two games. They found ways to win. And then last night, that stretch, and especially the last minute of the second period, really, really was a kick in the can for Interesting
3: them. Interesting comment from Gerard Galan after the game. Uh, you know, I was asking him about the way they played the previous two games. And he said, yeah, I didn't like the way we played, and we won. And he goes, I didn't mind the way we played tonight. And we lost, and then he looked at me and kind of smiled and said, careful what you wish for. I wish we had a played crappy and got the two <laughs> points tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a, um, uh, you know, I think, that, and I, I didn't mind their response in the third. I have a feeling that um, having been around the dressing room in between periods before when they've been, uh, uh, when they've been down, his, his sort of tact has always been go out and win this period. And we'll we'll let everything else worry about itself. Let's go win this period. They didn't, but they saw it. I think you know a zero zero in the third last night. So I think that uh, they they should put their bet. I think they maybe are are getting back to that game they were playing before. It'll be interesting though. The Minnesota kind of going through some rough times. But let's face it, the the, the next two games they go to Minnesota Thursday. And then they go into Winnipeg on Friday. I'm not sure Winnipeg isn't the hottest team in the National Hockey League right now. They're gonna have to be uh you know, they're on the road. Uh they're you know they gotta get that Minnesota game, I think. For well sure. the
2: Wilder this is Wild's response game. Yes, they just exactly. got blasted by the Winnipeg Jets seven two. So yep. this is gonna be a response game for them after they were embarrassed. Uh. So and and they've got a big
3: goalie too, Devin Dubnyk, <laughs> another who monster can, uh, who can close the door on you. They this will be key to see if they can uh, they can get to the middle of the ice and and get to the net. Well, you made a good point. That big way.
2: goalies, you got it, it's got to be that battle, that battle for territory right in top of the crease. Those second and third chances are where you're
0: probably going to get your goals. And I would also think back to some of the ways the Golden Knights have started at home. Remember that the Dallas Stars were terrific at home, nine and two. But on the road, they only had three wins until last night, somewhat similar to how Vegas had started, so good at home, not quite as successful on the road. And what I didn't see was that foot to the floor early on for the Golden Knights, being the aggressor, putting the opponent on their heels. Even though there was no scoring in the first period, to me, it was almost as though Dallas found a way to work through it without finding themselves stumbling backward, even though Ben Bishop at one point did actually stumble backward. But he, he didn't let up anything. But it was really an overall effort with Ken Hitchcock, it seems, finding a way to get his team finally do well on the road.
3: And who are you, by the way? <laughs>
0: <laughs> snuck in. Just snuck in <laughs> Dan Duba, Welcome to the Di- show, everyone. Dynamite drop-in. Yeah,
3: remember
1: romantic. that at the end of the show, please, Dad. Yes, exactly. Uh, telling you mentioned stuff. Ken
3: Hitchcock. He said uh, at after the game last night, he referred to the Vegas Golden Knights. He said, "That's the fastest team we've played all year," which I find an interesting comment because um, there's no crazy burners, but it's but there's no bad skaters either. There's it's really a a, um, a wave after wave after wave of of beep, uh, well a skaters but no a pluses.
2: I would term it when, when we talk about fast. Everybody thinks, yeah, full out. You wind up, big speed. better way to put it is they're a very quick team. They're, they're yeah. quick on pressure. They're quick well you know, said. in all three zones. They have that ability to, to pressure you. We, we saw, I thought, in that first period, great pressure from behind. Lindbergh, the one playing Klingberg, they don't give space to teams. And, and that's probably, you know, since camp to now, the thing I'll tell people when they ask, what do the Golden Knights do well? Yeah, well, they compete and all that. But they're quicker than you think. They are. They're a very quick team, and they don't give you much time with the puck.
1: Well, they haven't lost much in the last three weeks. Um, on Tuesday, it was just their third loss in the last three weeks, and they have responded well to the previous two. We mentioned the loss. At the end of that road trip, they went 1-4-1. and They responded with a real good win back home against Winnipeg. Got smoked, as Shane said, in Edmonton. They responded uh, two days later with a win uh, in Vancouver. So we'll see what happens here for the Golden Knights moving forward, but still um, right at the top of the Pacific Division. A busy stretch, 10 games in 20 days, kind of leading into the Christmas holiday starting in Minnesota, uh, coming up here on Thursday night. Minnesota and then Winnipeg, a quick two-game swing. So we've talked, it seems like every show, about the goaltending situation, but now there's been a little bit of a different development with the goaltenders with Malcolm Subban coming back now Comes in, uh, Max Legacy dehydrated in that Black Friday game against San Jose. Subban comes in, gets the win, wins the next night in Arizona, plays against uh, Dallas in the last game, took the loss. Where's the goaltending situation right now? Back-to-back games, uh, you'd imagine they would split them, but you know Max Legacy did a pretty good job in more than holding the fort during that time where Subban and Fleury and everybody else was, was out injured.
2: Oh, I'm going back with Malcolm Subban. That's personally me because I want to see, we talk about a respond game. This is his first loss. I want to see if he's going to become an NHL goalie. And it, well, he is, but a, a number one, if they want that progression to continue, you want to see how he deals with a loss. How does he bounce back? And it's not that he played bad. I thought he played excellent in that second period. It could have got out of hand a little bit earlier if it hadn't been for some huge saves by him and some big saves that... Maybe people didn't see that came through traffic. He made a couple of real good reactionary, quick athletic saves with the pads. I want to see how he reacts here against the Wild, going in against an angry team that wants to play better, and how he bounces back here after his first loss. I think to me that uh, that's just part of the growth pro- you know process for a young goaltender, and they want to see what he's made of.
3: Dan, you spent uh, uh, as all of us have spent some time in the American League. That is the skill that you look for. Early on from a young guy, can he flip the page? Can he get, can he put that behind him and be right the next day? It may be the most important mental skill. It's an 82 game season. There you're gonna lose games. There are gonna be games when your team is not gonna be good in front of you and you're gonna play well and you're gonna leave the rink a little angry. And then there are gonna be games where you don't have it and you've gotta find your confidence somewhere between that drive home and the morning skate the next
0: day. How important a skill is it? I think that when you look at Max Legacy, knowing over the course of the last few weeks, there was no pressure on him. He knew he was going to play. And you wonder how much that helped him settle in, find a comfort level. All of a sudden, Subban's healthy. Now he's thinking, oh, okay, if I stumble, Subban's going to get in. And now you wonder, if Subban stumbles, well, here's Legacy who proved himself how far away is Oscar Dansk? How far away is Marc-Andre Fleury? But with with Subban and trying to find that flip-the-page mentality, you wonder where he is in that regard, given that last year in the American League, he was the number two in Providence. He was not the goalie who helped the Bruins through the, the Calder Cup playoffs. They ultimately lost, and it happened that for the last game of the series that they lost, Subban started because they were looking to change things up. Mm-hmm. But you have to go back to when he got the puck in the throat. And it was a couple of years ago. And how hard it was for him to move beyond that. And I can't pretend to get inside Malcolm Subban's head. But how hard it must be to move on from that. And though that's a larger scale, we're talking about a smaller scale, game to game, it's along the same lines. How do you turn the page?
3: And this is fascinating because there's no black and white here. There's so many mental aspects to look at this. You know, Shane's right that skill and being able to, and finding how we respond, certainly you want to find out about that. But then the other part of it is, you know, maybe Gallant says, no, I want to put pressure on him. I want him to know that if he does have a bad night, I trust the other guy and I will put the other guy in. Or maybe it's, you're really worried about his confidence and you want to protect him so you don't put him in. Or maybe you get a feeling from him that, Oh, he's ready to go back in. He wants to go back in. So you do put him back in. That's why Dave Pryor being around the players today will be so important in how they make this decision.
0: And therein lies a great coach or an opportunity for great coaching, knowing that, okay, this goalie, this person in this situation, A, might need a pat on the back or a kick in the rear end. But another goalie, another person in the same situation might need a different treatment. And... That's where I think this coaching staff, including Dave Pryor especially, earning their keep because they've got to not only know the talent of the player, know how to help him improve as a goalie, but also the personalities and how they might react to different situations. That's, it's almost a psychology situation as much as it is coaching.
3: Who was the best coach you played for that understood what you were going through and how to help you get through it and be the best player you could be. Who understood the mind of Shane Knighty the best?
1: Randy Carlisle. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good
2: question. But I come from a different... Okay, you got to remember, I come from a different period where coach it wasn't so much coaching friendly you you had to you had coddling. to go through. you wanted to there say was coddling. no coddling at all no. players didn't it, it wasn't you know there wasn't as many player coaches if you want to call it that it was you dealt with it you had to learn to deal with it i learned early in my career playing for paul baxter dave allison in the minors that those were those coaches Whatever, you didn't play good, that you didn't hear why or whatever, you were just out, you had to figure it out on your own. A guy that really helped me, and, and probably today, because Kelly McCrimmon's coming in, was his brother Brad, the late Brad McCrimmon was my defense coach in Atlanta. And he knew how to get my best, probably my best year, at least statistically, was in Atlanta. He, w- love, he was fantastic. I
3: love the line you give us. When Bob Hartley was going bananas oh, on yeah. the bench, tell us about. Oh that. yeah, Bob
2: Hartley was, and, and there's a lot. Ken Hitchcock's like that too. And you get the head coach that likes to bark, and they're usually in the middle of the bench. You got you've got an assistant that's with the forwards, but mainly the head coach deals with the forwards. Then you got your D coach like Ryan McGill here, and, and Brad McCrimmon looked after us all the time. And Bob would always come, and he's got that thick French accent, and you know it's profanity laden coming down the D man this and that and. And Brad, we call him Beast, was his nickname. He used to always come. He had it, he bring out his hands, cupped, kind of come down to the bench case. Gay guys, take a pair. And we're like, what? Wait, there's nothing in his hand. He's like, just put the earplugs in. Imaginary earplugs. You don't listen to that side of the bench at all. Just worry about what I'm saying. You <laughs> hardly great. hear and him that, say this. No, I don't know. If, I don't think he would have cared if <laughs> no, he did. That's but been- <laughs> he, and that's good when you have a coach, especially an assistant coach, that can take the pressure off and allow you just to play the game when you got the head coach barking nonstop at you. And, and and Beast had a great ability to do that. He was a fantastic man and an incredible coach.
1: Well, and I think maybe just to put a bowl in the Subban part of it, guys, to me, and, and you mentioned... Um, you know, his time in the Bruins organization, Dan, and I, I saw up close and personal his two starts in a Bruins uniform. Yeah, he, didn't, not com- good.
0: he didn't complete either game. Right. He didn't started in game. Boston. No.
1: And there was a thought on him that since he took that puck in the throat, he's been a different goaltender. I will say, and it's a small sample size here, what I've seen here from him is light years from
0: what he was doing when he was in the, the Bruins The game against Dallas, that, that's the best I've seen him play. Yeah, And I saw him play in, in Providence. A but, but He, was, right. he exactly. was very good. I yeah. had a
3: scout come up to me last night and say, from another team, not from not from the Stars, not from the Bruins, and not from from the Golden Knights, a pro scout from another organization, come up and say, "Come on, I've seen Malcolm Subban get scored on from the wrong side of center. Like, what's going on here? How how is this happening?" And this was after the second period, and he said, "You can't fault him on what just happened." No, he goes, "This guy, he looks like a different player." Well,
2: and that can be said for a goaltender. Sometimes you need to reset and a new start. A New Jersey, and there's no better example than what we're going to see the next game with Devin Dubnik, who fell to fourth on the depth chart with the Montreal Canadiens, got sent home when they were in playoffs. I think he played in the AHL after, I forget where he was. Then the next season, signed with Arizona, Sean Burke got him going a little bit. He got traded to Minnesota, and then next thing you know, in a couple of years, he's a Vezina finalist. I
1: remember being in Boston, Shane, and the, the team was in Arizona, and Dubnik played. It was early yeah. in that year. He played against the Bruins. He was terrible. Got pulled from the game. And they, we're like, this guy's... No you good. find the right, right fit,
2: and all of a sudden...
1: The next thing you know, he goes to Minnesota, and they go on that... Re- I thought they were crazy to make Cliff right.
2: What's Cliff Fletcher doing here? Right. Devin right. Nick, you know, he and next, well, good for him. Next thing you know, they're in
1: the playoffs, <laughs> and he's... Yeah, he was the main reason they got in there. So, uh, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast coming to you from our studios In Vegas, as uh, Shane mentioned, we're going to have Kelly McCrim, the assistant general manager of the Golden Knights, uh, joining us in just a little bit. But a reminder for you, Golden Knights fans, don't fight for a parking space. Purchase your parking in advance through the ParkMobile app and score your perfect spot at the preferred parking garages of the Vegas Golden Knights. Visit www.lasvegas.parkmobile.com to reserve your parking today. That's lasvegas.parkmobile.com. So Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless coming to you from our studios in Vegas.
3: I have a quick question before we get too far in because I'm just about to hit send. And and I'm just trying to think if I'm being a bad student. Uh -uh. When one of your classmates makes makes a mistake and you point it out to the
1: teacher, is that bad form? Uh, Well, is it coming to us? One of us? Is it coming to
0: Dan? Yeah, it's, it's Dan. I mean, feel I, free. I, I right do the, the fact check, so I, I'm, yeah. I'm critical on a regular basis. On, so I haven't got it. You send away. right now? I no, I'm not
3: it. sending it to you. I'm uh, sending uh, it to the... To, to Shane? The, to, to Sh- <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I, I'm wondering. I'm not going to send it. I'm not going to be that guy. Why not? I've decided. Now no, I'm no. Sure. I can't no. say it, not do it. No, no. no it's the holiday spirit. you said. Cliff Fletcher. It's Chuck Fletcher. Chuck Fletcher. I don't want to get points that way for the to be the first star. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, I have to. Admit, Just admit, I Cliff. did not catch that.
1: See, no, I know I you have. Didn't. To, I have to admit, as usual, cool, Dan, not paying attention. Oh. I, told, I,
2: I told you, I was going to, I was going to oh, mail it in today. You're a dive today you, guys, you guys were almost in tears last time when the owner picked me first star. My third one, by the way, out of the four we podcasts. I have to uh,
0: have an official review on that. By the way, standings <laughs> yeah. for the three stars I have, I have no
2: problem stepping back today because I'm that type of teammate. I don't want to stand in the star light all the time. Mm-hmm. I got to, you know, so, spread it around for these guys. We appreciate your efforts. <laughs>
1: So time for the quiz, Thanks. <coughs> <coughs> Scene from Animal House, if you, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Dan, you ready for the quiz? You I'm as ready as, ready as I'll ever be. Are okay. you? Uh, yeah, same. Sure. All right, let's well, go. We, we can yours. turn to
0: that. Well, well, Gary had this idea. I, I thought it was pretty interesting. The list of best of, and there was probably 30 or 40 possible questions. We've narrowed it down. So there's just a handful of bests. So, uh, here's what we're going to do in, in labeling things as the best first one, since it is Movember coming to a close, who had the best mustache? It's hard to pick one,
1: Like you know, the easy ones, Landy McDonald, yeah. cause it's phenomenal. Like, uh, does he still, he's he, still I, rocking it. I was going to say you'd have to, right? So you, on this summer in, uh,
3: in Whitefish, Montana on our, uh, yeah. on our Vegas Golden Knights, uh, road trip and, uh, He was uh, in the flesh.
1: Still had the stash. Still had the stash. Um, So he's the easy one, but I look at like uh, Dave Schultz back in the day. Remember the Fu Manchu? Oh, yeah. With those Flyers teams? It beat the hell out of you, and he looked pretty scary doing it. So I would just put (laughs) him in there just for that. And the other one, he's working for the league now. You uh, can't
2: take everybody's pick. Okay. it's okay, one. Dave pick. Schultz. Should go, Dave, oh, Schultz.
1: Dave, Schultz. Dave Schultz. Can we get? Can we, can we take McDonald off the board? Well, you're going to take
2: my guy too. Yeah, McDonald's off the board. George okay. Perros brought the stash back. So you can Teammate that. with him there in, in you go. Anaheim. There you go. You know, I think you should shave was the beard a local into a resident. Stash. I know he, he's moving on. He said works for the league now. In at the Department K-Mas of State. Player Safety. Yeah. yeah. So Peros. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what? In a time when mustaches weren't considered cool, he brought it back. He did. He brought it back. Big time.
3: Yes. Dennis Marouk. Okay. Mm. Loved his, uh, he had the, the, the very full Fu Manchu and uh, uh, wore it for most of his
2: career, so I'll go with Dennis. Yes, nice.
1: nice. Could you shave the beard and just a mustache for us? <laughs> I could.
2: You know why? My Manchu? mustache grows a little bit up the nose. I could get almost a little bit of a Tom Selleck going.
0: <laughs> Have any of you guys
2: rocked a Mustache? No, at any point. I can't, I can't grow well, a mustache. Shane has I can't uh, grow a beard.
0: <laughs> Shane Looking like a moron. More Shane, than a moron. For
3: for her, our listeners that don't realize, Shane is kind of a uh, he's the silent assassin when it comes to pictures, and he has a picture of me that he likes to send out to every once in a while.
0: Oh no! Uh, it's my oh, yeah, my, Gary my, the lawman my mustache.
3: No, you had shot. kind of a goatee. It was going. a goatee. It was yes, but uh, oh, um, I have was, seen that. picture. Yeah, yeah, yes, wow. yeah. yeah, that was from uh, my. My first young mugshot shot as a young columnist at the Winnipeg Free Hunk Press. Uh, you you go from having a byline and you wanna have this when when they actually put your picture with your column, it's a big deal. So I actually grew that goatee for so I could look uh, mature when I appeared in the uh, August pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. I Walking see.
1: down you know, Portage in Maine. There goes Gary Lawless. <laughs> there <it> is. <laughs> There's another
3: mistake. You can't walk down Portage and Maine. Yeah. It's closed to the public.
0: Just take uh, notes of these errors, a That's one take that even if out, I knew, I'm name. not sure I would have caught it. Uh, let's also recognize uh, the Golden Knights who have been growing their mustaches. Uh, mm. Lucas Spisa, William Carrier, Shea Theodore, Alex Tuck. Uh, among those four?
3: Malcolm Subban yeah. as well. Subban. Oh, I didn't realize that he was doing it as yeah, well. I talked to Alex. Pitch. They showed the yeah. five of them last yeah. night. Yeah.
0: In, I in, suppose I missed it because he hasn't been playing, but uh, but there you go. Alex Tuck, uh, I thought his was impressive. There was yeah. some back and forth between Carrier and Theodore in the dressing room a week ago. They were really uh, battling over whose was best. Well,
3: Theodore, his yeah. came in light. There is a suggestion that he has... Uh, Used a, uh, a performance-enhancing dye. <laughs> I see. Uh, and PEG P- D- just <laughs> for the men test. to uh, <laughs> to darken up uh, his uh, his oh, upper great. lip caterpillar. That's I couldn't up. miss uh,
0: Luca Spisa last night as well. Spisa's, Luca is legit. I, yeah. I would have to say Luca is um, that, in the lead. I was gonna go with Luca. That that yes. uh, just seeing and talking with well, him uh, up him in the press the box yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. Stick to your roots. <laughs> All right, let's move on now. And next up in our categories of the best, this is, I'm not even sure where to begin as I try to consider possibilities for this. So the many. best rat yeah. instigator. Um, this is, you can think about it in different generations to think about, you know, who might be the best rat now, but those roles over the course of generations have differed. And there used to be more of them, I suppose. I, I'm racking my brain to think of who might be the best. And I'm sure the ones who were coming to my mind are not even close to the best. They're just the first ones who were coming to my mind and having watched the game in my lifetime. So what do you guys think?
1: Uh, and I kind of go present tense because of that. Look, mm-hmm. I mean, and again, could, Linsman's the easy one, right? From just, just a pain in the rear end. But I, I like guys that are pains that can also play. Mm-hmm. And I was around Brad Marchand for a long time in yeah. Boston. Yeah, And that, to me, is... Qualifies in both. Speak, yeah, can 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 be a pain in the rear end of the play against, mm-hmm. but also can score 35, 40 goals a year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, never played against him, Nides, but he's got to be one of those guys that is infuriating the play against. Oh, absolutely. And the other part is he,
2: oh, he's, chirping, he's great at chirping. He's, you know, he's, he's yeah. dirty, this, this, he's nasty, yeah. he doesn't care what he says or what he does.
1: He, He's, but he, he's a, also a hell of a hockey player. Yeah. He, he is. There's a great. There's some great ones, and you can't repeat some of them on the air. But some <laughs> of the ones that are, and you would know many more. Of these find than you find out stuff that you shouldn't uh, say, right? and you'd say it. The stuff he would say to guys that were just called up from the American Hockey League. Hey. Let me know when the game's over. I'll send a stick signed over for you. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my. Well, when you're back driving yeah. truck next week, I'll be thinking of you. Like just stuff. you, And that's tame compared to what's up. So guys you have Marchand. Yeah, who yeah. Who yeah, you, have, yeah. Shane? you go ahead.
3: I have Bobby Clark. To me, the the greatest rat of all time. Now, it's it's. He won the Hart Trophy three times. He but he finished his career. He played in 1,144 games. Had twelve hundred and ten points, fourteen hundred and fifty-three penalty minutes. Broke Varlamov's arm in the Summit Series. Uh, uh, sorry, arm, ankle. ankle. They're, they're fact-checked. I, 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 corrected yeah, myself you, in the you know process. I at you. Um, <laughs> right. John Ferguson, Senior, Junior, was in the building last night. Apparently, whispered into his ear, "Get that guy off the ice," and he went out and slashed him and uh, uh, eliminated him. Bobby Clark, to me. Uh, some might suggest he was too good a player yeah, to be a rat. Mm. Uh, so, uh, if I, if I if you take Clark off the board for me, Ken Lindsman is my yeah. uh, my all time rat.
1: Remember Ken Linsman starting a bench clearing, bench clearing brawl at the old Boston Garden. Remember it was Bruins Canadians. It's like in the mid eighties back when you saw those routinely, and you remember this, lawmen at the old Garden. The benches were on opposite sides of the rink, so. You had to, to get to – the visiting team had to go by the Bruins bench to get to their locker room, which was on the other side of the building. And I, went, I, I think it was Chris Nyland, shock upon shocks, that was got kicked out of the game It was going by the Bruins bench. And who was sitting at the end of it? Ken Linsman. Who, there's no way he was going to let him just waltz by without saying something. They ended up in a brawl down the tunnel – And in like in the hallway behind the benches, it was phenomenal. (laughs) You can look it up. Go on the YouTube. Oh, it was unbelievable. Anyway, I digress. Lindsman
3: played eight hundred and sixty NHL games and finished with eight hundred and seven points, seventeen hundred and twenty-seven. Um, yep. A penalty minute. So, not quite a point of game player and uh, never won the heart like Clark. But, he's yeah. the guy
2: who started the nickname. Yeah. Th- yeah absolutely. It, you know what? Rat. He's, he's yeah. the yeah. legendary rat. It, it, that's, it, you think rat, you think Ken Linsman immediately. There are so many players I hated. Uh, who I don't did you know hate the most? Had. Oh, Max Lapierre. But yeah. I'm not going to. He wasn't a good enough player to put in this. Okay. He's a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> um,. Anyways, so moving on. But not, you know that's part of the Boston Montreal rivalry. Yeah. There's other guys I yeah. didn't like. You know who's a really good rat, and uh, now I know he's coaching. Guys love playing with him. Is Steve Ott. Uh, you know he had a good career. He had a 20 goal year. He scored 18. He, he had some good seasons. Played 848 games. Uh, he could back it up sometimes, but he he had he could talk a good game. He was one of those guys. And if you even talk to some, you know, veterans that played with him, Brad, all those guys said he, he had some quick wit on the bench. Uh, sometimes when I've been between, between the benches, uh, there's been some guys he's, he's offered to to buy them out. He's like, I make enough money, I'll just buy you out right now. I'll, I'll do your team a favor. He's got, I've, heard, I've heard him talking to the coach on the other team and saying, saying that. Uh, it was quite humorous. He's got some really good comebacks. He's quick wit, uh, and he was a guy that, you know, didn't like. I remember playing in Boston. And they had a combination of Dallas between him and Sean Avery. And, and I know Boston fans will remember that. It got, got really out of hand. It was a memorable game because we spanked them not only in the scoreboard, but in just about every fight. And then a min- little bit of a line brawl part of it. It was it was a fun to be part of, a, of the Bruins at that time. It was, it was right up my alley. It was a fantastic game. But those two guys set it all off. And I remember actually game Medano was not pleased with what happened. Uh, those two guys starting <laughs> it all and... Uh, I believe Ott got tossed before earlier and then Avery actually ended up starting kind of the end, but uh, yeah, another good rat out there.
0: There are a number of names that, that come to mind, but I want to mention somebody who's been in the American league has had a little bit of time in the NHL, but if there's one player who stirred things up anytime the team I covered, the Syracuse crunch would play against him, Bobby Farnham at a Brown university, First with the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins, then with the Devils organization. Got to play with New Jersey. Uh, last year was with the Montreal organization in St. John's. And the yapping, stirring things up. Uh, I have never seen someone get under the skin as much as Bobby Farnham did. Uh, but he's playing. He's with the Springfield Thunderbirds now, so we'll see. He had camp with the Rangers. I had to get that one in. Hey,
1: and just a quick thing on that. No, it's, it's one thing to, to kind of be somebody that chirps and... Plays that under your skin style, but you've also got. To, is some of the infuriating part of it is that some of these guys, not all, but they like they don't usually fight, right? They won't drop. Is that? Oh, part, that, I think that's the infuriating. That's the, part got to be the part where <laughs> they're not. You gonna, want to kill this guy, and he for he will not. He will not drop the gloves. No. Yeah. And absolutely. You, it must. Well, for sure, you but, but you got, game, got to and then you you understand, and you understand
2: what they're trying to do. Yeah. Is they're trying to goad you into something to to draw that penalty? So you gotta, gotta be smarter than them, and that that's probably the best thing. Is you know if you don't pay attention to them, that'll that's the best way to handle it. Yeah, you know to try and ignore them because the more <laughs> the more upset you get, the more pleasure they take in it. And, and it's which,
1: hard, I would think, to ignore them if they can play somebody like
0: a Martian, and Bobby Clark. Like, oh yeah, you know they're also really good players. Which leads us perfectly into our next one, which is. The best heavyweight, the best middleweight, and the best lightweight. It says or.
3: Yeah, you pick. You pick your choice. You can pick. It your, says or in pick, the in, the, in our favorite, rundown here. Dan. <laughs> pick your favorite lightweight, middleweight, or heavyweight. You get to choose your category. Okay. There <laughs> you go.
1: Yes. You 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 fought a lightweight. You're, you're allowed
2: that? to pick yourself. I would not even put myself in this game. <laughs> Right now, I might be able to go in the heavyweight with the shape I'm in. Uh,
0: <laughs> 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 I might Burned have moved over here. <laughs> I mean,
2: I, I, There's one guy to me that, that stands out, and he could fight in all three of these categories, and he could play the game, and that was Wendell Clark. He was an absolute animal. There, there, I yeah. saw the other day there was clips of him, and just fearless. He could take on anyone. He was, to me, uh, he, he put he him. He
3: talked to guys that played in the Western oh. League in his vintage. Mike Keene says to me, has said to me a number of times, I've been in a bunch of brawls. He said, the only time I've ever been scared on the ice was when Wendell decided he was going to go nuts. He yeah. goes, and I've been on the ice a couple of times. I had tough teammates. He he scared us all. So, excellent choice. Well, thank you. Well,
1: oh, go ahead. You're, you're talking. Shane
3: Corson for my middleweight. Uh, I, uh, and actually, I I watched him fight uh, Ty Domi one night. In uh, It was at the Air Canada Centre, and it was... The end of uh, Corson's career and Domi was, uh, Domi was a heavyweight, not in weight, but in class. Oh, he, yeah, fought, he fought all heavies, right? No, and, both of them. And, and Corson was not Lucky really, me. not really in that class. And uh, he gave Domi all he wanted and a little more of that night. And uh, uh, it was uh, he was I, a
2: smart fighter.
3: He Corson. was, uh, anyways. That's, so I go with him for middleweight, Shane Corson.
1: You know, I the late Bob Probert. would just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's. Oh, yeah. I that's, that's, mean. Put The fear of God in special it. How mention scary for lightweight he
3: general manager George McPhee. I was, I was, was gonna, the, gonna say uh, George McPhee. Dan Jonathan,
2: Ryan Vandenbush, Scott Walker, Terry O'Reilly. And... Yeah, lightweights though. I'm talking,
1: yeah, right, yeah. And I don't mean, know be, what ca- is he, he's bigger, yeah, yeah he's he'd bigger middle. Tell you who, no, who nobody wants to fight him is Zdeno Char. Why would you, yeah, would you get involved yeah, in that? Sure. Well, you don't, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he's got a wingspan as wide as this room, so that was somebody I would. He's. I don't think it was heavy, just because nobody will fight him. Larry
3: Robinson was like that in his career. Yeah, like the the, the famous story of Larry Robinson. They're playing an exhibition game in uh, in Montreal, and he gets thrown out of the game, and is in the dressing room, and his skates are untied, and a brawl breaks out on the ice, and Dave Schultz is on the Mm, ice, and Robinson comes out on the ice with his skates untied and beats Dave Schultz, who was the reigning heavyweight of the National Hockey League time. Robinson beat him, and that was uh, that year the Canadians won the Stanley Cup again after Philly having won uh, the two previous years. It kind of uh, ended that reign of terror for the Broad Street oh, Bullies. Boy. Love that story.
0: Oh, And, uh, of course, uh, a couple of great logos of teams you mentioned there, Gary, and that brings us to our next The Best. How about Jersey? Who's got the best Jersey. I tell you,
1: I and it,
0: it. I love the Bruins
1: jersey for obvious reasons, but that Chicago Blackhawks jersey is phenomenal. It's awesome, you know. And I, I like the red, maybe the red with you know the red more than the than the road, uh, the white. But I, I would say, classic. I don't think it's ever changed in the in the decades they've had a team that that red home Chicago Blackhawks jerseys tops for me.
3: This is an odd one, but I like the old Vancouver Canucks. The blues with the not
1: the, the one with the V, the big I hope. V for the ages, no, <laughs> not, not the, the flying V. That one
3: is yeah. awful. With that could the, be among the, the worst. The, the, <laughs> the rink on the front of the jersey with yeah. the stick. Uh, yeah, I loved. Uh, I loved those. Uh, uh, I'm a. I was a Canadians fans growing up. So the red, the Montreal Canadiens reds to me were uh, very iconic.
2: But I'll go with those Canucks jerseys. I just saying those Canucksers. I remember playing the Canucks in the final in 2011. My favorite version of that was with a guy using it as a diving board. They had a little, like a stick man diving (laughs) off that little stick.
0: That's what I think
2: of when I think of those Vancouver jerseys.
0: No, I think Um, a lot of the jerseys are pretty cool. No, go ahead. No, no. Well,
2: I've never been one to really study jerseys. To me, the best jersey was any one I got to put on, and that, that, <laughs> in, that includes, that includes uh, the wild Christmas colors of uh, red, green, and whatever else they have on that thing. But to be honest with you, the logo I really do, and I'm not trying to kiss ass or anything, but I think the Vegas Golden Knights have a kick ass logo and jerseys and color scheme. Everything I think it was done perfectly. I don't. I,
3: disagree, I don't disagree with that. By the way, I think they they they, right they, off they knocked the bat, it out of the park. They became authentic and iconic. And it's an expansion jersey that 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 V. I love it, and the and way it fits into and the helmet yeah. makes it uh, it gives it a, like a. I thought it was like a an old school uh, European football club jersey, and it yeah. uh, to me it was just you're you're exactly right. It's I a great. You jersey. made
1: the point, Gary. To me, not long after I showed it, it looks like it's been around forever. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and it's been around for not long at all.
0: And Just driving to the studio today, see folks walking down the the sidewalk, black sweatshirt, Golden Knights helmet on the front. I mean. It's, it's really good. I'll just throw in, among the, the coolest logos, that winged wheel they have in Detroit is pretty classic. Well, I mean, it goes without saying. Uh, is is there a Syracuse Garbon
1: today? Not today. No, okay,
0: it's a rarity. But okay. speaking of Syracuse, which uh, won the first Calder Cup in 1937, roots <laughs> in the minor leagues, the best barn not in the National Hockey League. Um, I would go
1: with, and it, it again, I, I don't like being constrained to picking one, but if I had to pick one, mm-hmm. the old Hershey Park Arena. Oh. The old one, yeah. not the new one. The old one
0: that kind Giant of would, Center is pretty cool. Yeah. But Hershey Park been Arena is still the there. One. The Hershey Park Arena is still there. Teams don't play games there, or at least AHL teams don't play games there, but still practice there.
1: Yeah. It reminded me of a smaller version of the old Boston Garden the, the yellowish gold seats, the railing. You could smell like that, the popcorn in the building, right? And and, and the chocolate. And the chocolate. So that, that popcorn, chocolate, old feel combination, if I had to pick one, I'd pick Hershey Park Arena, the old Hershey Park Arena. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati Gardens. That had the popcorn smell, too, it, it if was, I remember
3: right. uh, uh, well, It reminded me of, uh, of the old Maple Leaf Gardens, of the old Boston Garden. It had a whole bunch of, uh, of those rolled into one, and... Uh, just was a uh, I, I went I, I went that to that rink probably four or five times uh, during my uh, the start of my career. I loved that building.
2: I played in a lot of crappy buildings, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? And there was good. I remember playing in the ECHL my very first year, about, I forget ninety six, seven, whatever it was, and, and going to Toledo where there was, it still had the low glass, and, and the fans could like reach over if you got in a little scrum and like capping your helmet. You had um, to walk through the, cra- but for, the so for me when I went ice? to the IHL. In Grand Rapids, at that time it was Van Andel Arena. I still don't know there. Still, yep, still, uh, still there. that, still is, yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. that uh, because we we sell that out, yeah. and it was it was a real atmosphere in there. For me, that was my first experience with that big a crowd as a home. It's crowd. over eleven so thousand there, yeah, yeah. So that that would have been my favorite to play in. How'd oh. you like? Uh, we're gonna have Kelly McCrimmon on later in the show. How'd
3: you like the uh, Keystone Center in Brandon?
2: I love that. I got to ask Kelly why I never got to be uh, that be my home building. You never got to. Wait yeah, I, live 40, yeah. 40 I live 45 minutes Listen, away. That actually be a question for my mom. She, she just, might call in. Maybe she's just
3: <laughs> let sleeping dogs lie. Might Brandon Week can not You might, not like, you might not
2: like the United. answer. Okay. You might want to let sleeping dogs lie. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. if <laughs> I can take it.
0: I'll throw in, of course, the War Memorial oh, Arena uh, in Syracuse, uh, uh, New York, in Syracuse, yes. which uh, uh, the made famous in 1977 slap shot where the Hanson brothers climb over the glass and into the crowd, but. Is, uh, my broadcast home for the last 5 years especially to see a couple of runs to the Calder Cup finals when it was standing room only uh also among the best views I've ever had to call a hockey game so that's where I'll go uh heart in Syracuse New York Dave back to you
1: All right Dan thanks for the Syracuse stroll down memory lane we you appreciate it, it. That's time That's Anytime. the quiz for uh this week's podcast so Time now for the SLGND guest of the day, and it's brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. It's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana, and this working cattle ranch sits on twenty-eight thousand acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including a world-class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. For more information, go to www.rockcreekcattlecompany. Dot com. That's Rock Creek Cattle Company.com. So we've had, we've been lucky. We've had the commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman. We've had Bill Daly. We've had George McPhee. Our last podcast, we had Bill Foley, the owner of the team. And now our good luck continues the assistant general manager and executive VP of hockey operations, Kelly McCrimmon. How did they twist your arm to get you in here? <laughs> Well, I was uh, I, I got, lost I got invited
4: late, so I'm guessing somebody didn't show up, and uh, Toast reached out. So, great honor for me here to be today with, uh, be here with you today. Well, uh, somewhere on the Misha, podcast.
3: Misha Donskoff, and Murray Craven are looking at long straws. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, please don't ask us to be a part of this. Hey, uh, so it's been I don't know six, seven weeks into the season, Kelly. I'm just curious to get your overall assessment of. Maybe your expectations going into the season compared to where we are now and towards the latter part of November. Well, it was a little bit
4: uh, uh, tough to nail down exactly what the expectations uh, would be because, of course, we hadn't uh, played any games. We were uh, real comfortable with uh, expansion with the players that we selected and uh, felt uh, confident that we uh, had a good group. I think like everybody, our start Uh, likely exceeded everyone's uh, expectations and yet uh, you know credit where uh, credit is due a lot of players that got a little bit bigger opportunities uh, I think consciously or subconsciously a mindset of having uh, something to prove and then a real good job by uh, Gerard Glant and uh, and his coaching staff Uh, you know and it, uh, it it's you know turned out real well so far and you know reality uh, a little bit last night, playing against a real good Dallas team. That uh, we're not going to win every game we play in T-Mobile, and yet uh, it's a it's a great building for our team that we uh, we love playing there. Did anybody
3: internally or externally say to you that you can recall? You got a really good team. You got like you got really good players. This you might be better than you think you are.
4: Well, I, I think uh, you know nobody likely you know knew our team like we did just because of the work that we did. Uh, in preparing, and uh, you know, we liked a lot of our selections. There was, uh, you know, tremendous uh, effort that went into selecting the right players. We watched all 30 NHL teams, their farm teams, uh, last year to know the players as uh, good as we possibly could. We had an idea of wh- what we wanted uh, our players to look like in terms of uh, character, in terms of their age. Um, you know, I think one of the Uh, one of the things that worked out real well is any of the older players that we have uh, are great people so they've really uh, I think uh, made a great contribution to uh, you know getting us on the right track in terms of uh, you know how we handle ourselves in terms of uh, helping with uh, the culture that we're trying to build and the identity that we're trying to have with our team and uh, I don't think that can be overstated in terms of their significance and then uh, likely for casual hockey fans, we picked a lot of guys that uh, people wouldn't know a lot about. And I think that's where uh, credit to the uh, pro staff and uh, uh, everyone that was involved with expansion in knowing these players and knowing who might uh, be able to take a step forward with uh, with more opportunity and knowing their background, knowing their history. Uh, and again, it was a real lengthy uh, you know, experience and process that we went through to make sure we, uh, got good people, and I think that uh, uh, it's shown that we, in fact, did uh, did a real good job of that.
2: Certainly, you guys are thorough. You just said all the process, but when you sit back and look, uh, and and maybe there isn't any, uh, we, we get a chance to hear other people's perspective of the team a lot from coming in, and I'm sure you do. The one thing that keeps coming up, and, and Gary mentioned it earlier about team speed or quickness, however you want to say it, 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 was that a big factor when you guys were doing the scouting? Because it it certainly is evident throughout this team, or has it surprised you a little bit?
4: Yeah, when we, uh, you know, again, we would look, and I'm sure it's been talked about on this show uh, before, but when we looked at each of the 30 teams, you would, you know, make your best uh, uh, guess as to who the core players were going to be that would be protected, that would leave you know, likely in most cases, five or six players in each team that were players of interest that we wanted to make sure we continued to follow. And, you know, the one, the, the one characteristic that uh, uh, we were really critical on was speed. And uh, we just didn't think we wanted to go with, uh, you know, anybody that couldn't bring a lot of speed uh, to the game. I think in talking with uh, uh, Doug Risebrow, who uh, led the Minnesota Wild into expansion uh, 17 years ago, That was something that he really uh, identified uh, in their process as being as being important, and that was you know probably uh, in an era where it was less uh, of a factor than what it is in today's game. But when you watch the game, as uh, as you guys all have, it's uh, it's a fast game. It's a fast game, and and uh, you just have to be able to uh, you know keep up. You have to be able to win races. You have to be able to get back for pucks. Uh, I think that. Uh, that was a real priority in terms of what we were looking for, and I think that it's evident in the team that we selected.
3: How much of your evaluation on players was? I'll use Nate Schmidt for an example. Washington deployed him; uh, all of his zone starts were offensive zone starts, and he played around 16 minutes a game. Uh, Gerard and Ryan McGill have kind of flipped that. He, he his mo- he has more defensive zone starts. Than he does offensive. He kills penalties. He's not on the power play at this juncture, and he's playing bigger minutes. And I talked to him about it yesterday. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I, getting points is great, but they've decided to put me on the ice when Patrick Kane's on the ice, and that's when your coach trusts you and puts you in that situation. You have to enjoy that role, and I'm really and I'm and I'm I'm liking it. I'm I'm growing into it, and I'm I'm liking. It. So he's deployed differently." Than he was previously, obviously, William Carlson was used in a defensive role. Now he's used in an offensive role. How much of it was projecting, if we use this guy differently, what can we get from him?
4: Well, it was a big part of it because, uh, you know, clearly with the players that were exposed, we wouldn't have access to uh, a first-line player or a top-pair defenseman unless they brought a a real, uh, you know, huge contract with them that would, uh, uh, you know, force us to look elsewhere so uh a big part of it was who's going to you know be able to take on a larger role. Nate Schmidt's a perfect example of a guy that uh you know was right on the brink of being able to do a whole lot more. I think that opportunity would have come for him uh in Washington with some of the activity that they had with their club in the off season and uh you know that's one where uh uh George Mcphee's history with uh, the player uh certainly helped uh, He was a guy that uh, George signed as a free agent in washington, so uh, he was a player that we, uh, I think, envisioned
1: could do exactly what uh, what we're seeing. Kelly, you talked about the, the key elements, and one of the main things was speed. You wanted a team that was going to be able to have team speed and play fast. But from yourself to George McPhee to Gerard Gallant, I've also heard the word character and good people. And I'm wondering, as you were you were trying to formulate who you were going to get in this expansion draft and and, and also in the entry draft, but more, more importantly doing your homework is to find out it's one thing to watch a game, or watch a series of games and see what guys can do on the ice, but to learn about them as people. How did you go about doing that as a staff? Well, I think if you look
4: at the people in the room, uh, there's a lot of experience. Um, we had a lot of history on, on every player. And, and uh, um, you know, let's use Shane Knighty as an example. If we were talking about Shane Knighty as a hockey player when he was 30 years old, I know that we could tell you everything about him back to uh, when he played uh, Bantam Hockey in Manitoba. So I think that we had that kind of background. I know Bill Foley, who would sit in uh, with the pro scouting uh, meetings and listen to the dialogue, uh, I think was uh, you know amazed at a lot of things. But one of the things that I think really uh, surprised and impressed him was how well we knew the players in terms of uh, family, in terms of what pressures they might be under, in terms of what opportunities might be uh, available because of uh, something we knew, all of those kind of things. And uh, you know, you look at a player... You know, like Alex Tuck, we had, uh, you know, Peter Ward, who works on our amateur side, uh, had Alex in the development program uh, in Ann Arbor for two years. Well, you know, that's as good a background and as good a setting to know a person uh, as you possibly could have. Now, Alex wasn't an expansion selection, but, you know, certainly, you know, that's a, an example where uh, knowing the player inside and out, I think, was really uh, important and, and worked to uh, our advantage. But uh, I'm being dead honest, we didn't select a player uh, in the entire process, that we didn't know uh, a whole lot about, whether that was through former coaches, player agents, uh, you know, former teammates in some situations, and that was, uh, you know, obviously part of the due diligence that uh, I think served us well.
3: Your other part of the this, of what you drafted this year were your amateur players, and uh, I know Cody Glass was recently the the player of the week in the Western Hockey League, and I know that you're keeping an eye on on the development of all those players. We'll touch on the first rounders and uh, and, and Hague as well. So, Branstrom, Suzuki, and Glass, and Hague, how are they coming along?
4: Well, I think short answer is real well. Uh, players that we were uh, really happy uh, to draft and going to be a big part of our future here uh, in time. Will Nickel, uh, who last year uh, scouted college free agents for uh, our organization, was with George in Washington. He's our director of player development, so his job... Uh, right now, he spends uh, all of his time uh, with the players that we selected last year uh, in the amateur draft. So he's been to uh, Europe on two occasions so far where uh, Jonas Ronberg uh, plays, uh, Luke L. Venice and of course, uh, Eric Branstrom, who plays over there. Eric's situation, he's playing uh, with men. He's playing uh, in the SHL, which is the top professional league uh, in Sweden. Uh, he's having a good season. hes He's a guy that'll be... Uh, we sure expect, on the uh, World Junior team representing uh, Sweden at the upcoming uh, World Juniors. Cody Glass is uh, on a real strong team uh, in Portland. He's, uh, I believe, sixth or seventh uh, in league scoring and uh, just uh, coming off being named uh, Player of the Week in the Western Hockey League and the Canadian Hockey League. And uh, Cody's uh, really uh, intelligent two-way player that uh, uh, is just going to continue to get better as he gets bigger and stronger. He's uh, still uh, real raw in terms of his uh, physical makeup, and that's part of uh, what's exciting for us when you project. I think that he's got a guy that's going to be uh, getting better for a long time. Nick Suzuki, again, uh, in the Ontario Hockey League and Owen Sound, is on uh, a really strong team uh, there as well. He's been uh, among the league leaders in scoring. Uh, also, both uh, Cody uh, and Nick will be candidates to be invited to Uh, the world junior uh, camp for team canada which i believe those announcements uh, are going to be on december 4th so um, you know we're hopeful as 18 year olds that they may get an opportunity to play for the country uh, in that setting and then nick haig actually george and i had an opportunity to see play on our uh, uh, trip that we made through uh, eastern uh, u.s and eastern canada and uh, he's on a team that's uh, had a real tough start to the year but now is uh, starting to play real well, so we're hopeful that uh, they were expected to be a real strong team. We're hopeful that that can uh, be the case as the season plays out.
2: You mentioned the World Juniors coming up here, at the end of well December here, as you go into the new year. And for you guys, you got all those draft picks you're watching. How, how's the process now? You mentioned the process for the expansion draft, but how does it all work? Because I'm sure you got scouts everywhere here, and you guys are getting set for the 2018 <coughs> entry draft.
4: Well, our amateur. Uh, uh, scouting staff uh, you know for me have the uh, the lowest profile uh, jobs in the organization and yet uh, when you go to the rink and watch teams come through their star players uh, generally have come through the amateur drafts work uh, for those respective teams so uh, we've got a great staff led by uh, Bobby Lowe's uh, and Scott Luce we've got a real good experience great coverage across uh, North America uh, and into Europe and, and you know I guess just for Uh, listeners here it really is uh, all over the world where uh, we scout we've been uh, to finland this year sweden this year Uh, the world under 18s uh, in april are going to be played in russia obviously the major junior leagues uh, across uh, canada then the ushl uh, in the united states so your coverage is really uh, extensive we have uh, midterm meetings with that group uh, early in january so uh, those uh, guys have all been in the field all through the first uh, four months of the season we'll meet in uh, January we'll go through uh, every region uh, where they're players go through all of our evaluations on each player we'll do a list that uh, uh, will, be, will be what we use to work off of for scheduling for the balance of the season and uh, those guys work they uh, they are a really uh, uh, close-knit uh, great chemistry hard-working uh, important part of our
1: organization Kelly, I just had one more for you. Um, you know, almost 30 years with the Brandon Wheat Kings, and I know still ownership, and, but what, what drew you to this? The easy thing would have been to stay, right? You'd been there forever, and, and it's such a big part of it. At the end of the day, what made your decision?
4: Well, I think, uh, you know, probably everybody in this room, uh, it's a little bit similar. I think the expansion uh, opportunity was one that, uh, you know, we could all envision being real exciting, And, uh, you know, for me, uh, uh, professionally, uh, I saw that as a chance, uh, you know, as a one-time chance to do that and, and, uh, uh, you know, be uh, part of a guy's uh, uh, working career that was a a really special, special year. So uh, that was a big part of it. I think that... um, um, you know, proven, uh, management, uh, leadership with George McPhee, who had ran a very successful program in Washington for a long, long time. So I, I thought it presented an opportunity to work with a real good person and a real, uh, capable guy that I was going to be able to learn a lot from. Um, you know, one of the questions I asked, uh, George right near the end of our discussions was if we do our job well, will we have the resources to win? Because that's not always the case in sports and, in, uh, in any of the four major sports that, uh, uh, you're able to say yes to the answer uh, to that question. Uh, George really felt that that was the case with, uh, uh, with Bill Foley uh, as our owner. Everything we've seen since that time only uh, magnifies that in terms of the resources that he gave George in terms of uh, hiring our professional staff, our amateur staff, hockey operations, every, everybody that we've got in place uh, on that side of our business. So those were, I guess, uh, you know, really the things that went into it. We had won a championship in Brandon, uh, in 2015 2016 so in terms of timing it was uh, uh you know perhaps uh, uh, a reasonable stepping off point uh, and yet uh, you know as you touched on i'd been there a long time uh, considered myself extremely fortunate to uh, you know be part of the wheat kings as long as i uh, as long as i was because i loved uh, every minute of that uh, that type of work working with young players and the impact that you can have Uh, on guys and you know even now in this job when I see you know guys at the rink that uh, you know that played for me and stuff it's really uh, really gratifying uh,
1: to see those guys. So uh, we've got one more segment here. It's called Ro- Razor Fold in Vegas. Can you, can you hang around for like another five minutes? Now I'd
4: be happy to. Now, just for the people that can't see us on radio, Gary Lawless is looking right at me. He's <laughs> yawned about four times.
1: <laughs> uh, so I don't know if I'm keeping him
4: awake or... At uh, or so right, least so I mean, so he he's
2: not on his phone. usually is <laughs> when we're talking, yeah. When we're speaking, <laughs> he's usually, he doesn't usually doesn't on his computer or watch his watch phone. So, so don't yeah, okay. worry. Don't so the, take it personal. We okay, don't. Okay, well, thank you. You uh, know, uh,
3: I, I've known Krim for 20 years, and... Uh, I'm, I'm glad I can still So count he knew on you to with the ghost. To I'm glad I can still count on him <laughs> to keep me honest. Florian wake-up call today for a little TV to spread the gospel of the Golden Knights.
1: We a a little sleep. Well, before we get to Razor Fold, a quick reminder for you, of course, it is the holiday season, and the naughty and nice holiday packages are now available. The packages start at $399. Each, fee- each feature two tickets to three different Golden Knights games and also a $50 food and beverage credit to be used at T-Mobile Arena for Golden Knights games as well. In conjunction with with the Golden Knights specials. Fans can also add a fourth game to their package for as low as $35, selecting between the Golden Knights game against Arizona coming up on December the 3rd at 5 p.m. or the game against Carolina on December the 12th at 7 p.m. So be sure to check it out. Naughty or nice holiday packages are available now. You can go to VegasGoldenKnights.com for more information. So, Kelly McCrimmon, the assistant GM of the Vegas Golden Knights, joining us here, continues to be with us for Razor Fold. So you got the idea here, like we're in Vegas, raise, fold. I mean, us four dopes can figure it out. I'm sure. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's, this has been a piece of cake for you. And I'll do my best. All right, here we go. Razor Fold. William Carlson scores thirty goals this year. Yeah, I could see that happening. I'll go with raise. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah. I'd be shocked if you said no. Yeah. Not a chance. Fold. Raise. Yeah, he gave that a little bit more. Yeah, I, I like it. Pretty yeah, no, he's uh, a most? young, young guy? guy. He's
4: a really intelligent player, obviously benefiting from uh, more opportunity. But, uh, you know, a lot of things about his game uh, I like that I uh, would see him sustaining the level of play that he's brought to the table so far. In fact, I see him probably getting better here still as we go through the year?
3: Yeah, I'm going to raise. Uh, the shooting percentage gives you pause. It's around 25%. But uh, the reason I, I don't hesitate is he's already at 13, and his shot selection is, he's careful about it. He doesn't shoot from all over the place. If, the, if, if there's not an opportunity for him, he'll slide it into the corner to create a cycle or he'll move it uh to keep the play going so uh the shooting percentage doesn't scare me as much as it would with some players uh I'm going to raise I think he gets 30
1: Jeff
2: 30 is a big number whoa <laughs> Yo! boy and you know what it is it, it, it's tent. hard oh, <laughs> No 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 I I'd love to I've been yeah. extremely impressed with what William Carlson has done, I, and I think he's he's very talented, and I saw it. I told Gary at World Championships, I saw him in a different role there, and when he came to this team, I knew he plays with some offensive guys. He's going to have it. Uh, I'm just doing this just to be different. I'm going to fold on it. I think he's going to – it's tough to continue that pace just for what you said, his shooting percentage is – quite high right now and that's a tough pace i hope he proves me wrong and probably will but i could see him getting around 29 let's say he gets 16 more here over the last 59 games that's still a pretty impressive season for him i think he's got a couple shooters on his line i think riley smith is going to pick it up i think he's going to score some more goals here going so he might continue to pick up the apples he'll continue to score but uh i see him around that 28 29 mark maybe next year let's let's go for next year i'll raise on that over 30 i right. like progression
0: Pro- progression. I-, I-, I can see that, and I wonder how much that line continues to progress. And we didn't get to talk about it too much earlier, but injury bugs bite. Things change. And how long will so Carlson, and Smith stay together? If that trio remains together, I race. I say that he does find his way to thirty. Looks like lawman has something to interject. Uh, Are you raising interject. or folding? I said no, raise. He said raise. I said raise. He doesn't always stay focus. Because
3: you, uh, you can't say to the dealer, if you have an ace <laughs> <laughs> that you're about <laughs> to flip, I'm going to raise. Someone it's, needs some sleep. Raise or fold?
1: Raise. Thank you. I'll raise just because, you know, for some of the things that have already been discussed, not only today, but elsewhere. I mean, an increased opportunity for this guy uh, playing on one of the top two lines, playing on a power play, killing penalties. Yeah, he's benefited from the increased opportunity, but he's also taken advantage of it. I and mean, You know, it's the chicken or the egg theory. He's played a lot more than, you know, it's it, four minutes more a game or whatever it was yeah. in Columbus last year? But he's earned that. And I, you know... I don't know what the future holds, but I raise on it just because, I mean, it was 20, you're following everyone. 23 games into the year. I'm not going to go against the wind like Nides over there. And
0: uh, I'll just say his pace is his far pace, ahead yeah, of the His 30. pace is far. Good,
1: as usual, Dan. Very nice. Very concise. Well done. So we have four raises. And just be noted, one fold, Jane Hey, okay. I, I have okay. no problem from getting four, proved wrong. Points for bravery. <laughs> All right. Number two on raise your fold, Krim. Suit jacket and no overcoat on the road trip to Minnesota and Winnipeg. Do you leave the overcoat at home and just go with your fine suit you're wearing right now?
4: I actually, uh, for the first time, it's in the back of Pico's uh, truck, as we speak, (laughs) buy my overcoat. (laughs) Not just Minnesota we're going to. We're going to Winnipeg, too. I know.
1: Yep. So you're folding. So so the question is suit coat and no overcoat. You're folding. You're going to bring the overcoat. Yes, I am. Yeah, all right. There you go.
3: What you got? I'm raising. Uh, it's uh, I, uh, we we you didn't we're bring you even outside. outside. We uh, oh. we go from the bus to the from the plane to the bus to the to the hotel lobby. So uh, uh, it's not even December first yet. I'm gonna. Uh, I, I'm going to buy an overcoat in Winnipeg on Friday
2: afternoon. So uh, I'm going to raise. So for the first half of the trip, you're
1: not going to have one. (laughs) And for the second half. Well,
2: I can see why, Gary, heat goes out through the head. So I can see a toque being more (laughs)
1: important for him.
2: (laughs) So, yeah, the coat isn't a big deal. The toque would be a little more important. I, I'm folding. I, I'm thin. I'm uh, going to take a I picture I of you with your blanket on the plane tonight. Right oh, I can't say. I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's, I've, since the move down here, you know, just, <laughs> I can't handle the cold anymore.
0: We were in Edmonton. We were about ready to die. Oh, uh, get I got soft desert, quick. Please. It, it was 18 degrees in Edmonton. Uh, good news that right now in Minneapolis, it's 37 degrees, and in Winnipeg, it's 38 Fahrenheit, oh, that's So that's balmy. balmy. So I'm I'm raising with Gary. Yeah, I'm, I'm going. I'm going suit jacket. I'm going to stand no you over in Portage
2: and Maine with just your suit jacket on.
0: I, I had been, my have suit you? jacket and no overcoat to 18 degree Winnipeg. No, no, and I understand. <laughs> I've been in Syracuse the last five years. Oh, I will. Uh, I will notice. bring a scarf. I will bring a scarf, but but no overcoat. Unfolding I also left this. my overcoat in Syracuse. <laughs> you know, you, we're, there's places in Vegas that sell jackets. <laughs> yeah, it's but, not like you, know, you move to the moon. Can, can, can you really right now justify <sighs> with it, when it's 70 degrees outside, walking not into here, a store and buying a jacket? I just can't do it. Some road, Maybe I'll join some Gary games, and go shopping when, Kelly, when we're on Dan the road. Kelly, tell Dan what
2: Portage of Germain is like in Winnipeg. Yeah. You stand there. It doesn't matter what the temperature is. There's going to be a cold wind, even in summer, you blowing not- down there.
0: You might not make it back. <laughs> yeah, the, the, famous intersection. There you go. Yeah. Well, it's frozen tundra in Syracuse. Is it? Oh. Is it worse than that? Yes. Well, okay. did, uh, we, right. What did? What did
4: Randy
3: Bachman sing? You did uh, Portage and Main, fifteen below.
0: There you go.
1: I'm folding. There's not okay. a chance on earth I'm not bringing I'm re- over going on this trip. <laughs> what are we talking about? This is nuts. You're what raising,
2: was- but you're buying a jacket. It's almost 40 degrees. i going to pack it and bring it back. For, for,
1: for, for so February you better not wear it, for it in Winnipeg. I won't, wear, Winnipeg. It. I won't wear it. If
2: you wear it, I'm throwing it out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice jacket. Goes in the all trash right. can. All right. Razor fold. Two-on-one breaks up the ice cream. Shoot all the time and never pass.
4: Fold. Yeah. I, I think that probably players... <laughs> Error on the side of trying to make a play more than they should, but I don't think it's uh, as simple as uh, shooting every time. Yeah, I, think the, I,
1: I, think I fold it. it. Yeah, I mean, I, you got to assess your options. If it's that clear cut of shoot all the time and never pass, I mean, it can't be that selfish. So I would yeah, fold on. I
3: was probably involved about in about three two-on-ones in my entire time playing hockey. <laughs> so uh, uh, never, we've never had an opportunity to, uh, to be in that
2: position. So uh, I'm going to raise, shoot all the time.
1: Nigel, do the the oh, you get the
2: chance? Barry. I'm conflicted because yeah, I would agree. I, I you know, guys now they're talent. You want to see them pass, but as razor full two and one. If I listened to my old coaches, they would say if it's me, say just shoot. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that would have been my, the message from the coach to me: just shoot. Don't don't even bother trying to feather that over. <laughs> no saucer. No, no. I would I would shoot every time.
1: Less than the odds of screwing. You know, what's it up?
2: great as a man is reading, I love to read when you would have guys like that. You could. Eat Easily cheater. You knew guys that were gonna try and pass. I used to drive Mark Savard crazy in practice. I'd pretty much just try I'd almost go he always wanted to pass. He was always so you'd I'd go like all the way over to the other guy and he'd still try and pass it <laughs> over. I just laugh at him. Well, I try to force him to shoot and he wouldn't. One of
3: my favorite plays this season came just last week and it was uh on Thomas Nosick's shorthanded goal. Cody Eakin is at the end of a shift. I checked later, the shift was uh, was 58 seconds, and Noshik starts up the ice, and Eakin is quite a bit behind him. So it's a one-on-one. Eakin digs in and catches up to the play uh, and forces the D-man... To respect wasn't a D-man. To, well, See, that's where you're wrong. Whoever it was. poorly played because it was Derek Stephon. Whoever it was. Derek in, it was it was, was, he he had a
2: forward he's just, he's play. Him, no idea what he was doing on that 2-on-1. He got up the ice. He did a good no job. Sh- I don't know if the there was lead. no respect. And then Derek Stephon was a forward. He had no idea what he was doing on that 2-on-1.
0: But it was still an ice goal. I have my pen in hand, yes. thank you. Just to note that. <laughs> I, I just, for the record, will. He was uh, the D-man on that play. He was playing
3: on the power play. He was playing. But he the didn't Lula. know what he was doing. Well, that's he fine. But he was the D-man in, in that situation.
0: Do we need Kelly to arbitrate here and figure out? No. <laughs> okay. uh, I just, uh, for the record, will fold on the uh, two-on-one situation. I don't think that we can be as clear-cut as uh, as it's laid out yeah. here. Though I probably b- would be one to shoot. I, I don't remember having been. Uh, defenseman in my very limited hockey career, I don't think I was ever in, a, in this situation. So I, I really am not the best person to ask, to be honest with you.
1: All right, last one for Razor Fold, Grim. Hanging your own exterior Christmas lights. <laughs> well, that, that's definitely fold for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, what, do you, what, do you hire somebody to do
4: it? Uh, I've hired somebody to hang my Christmas lights for years oh. <laughs> and, and, and was Staff? embarrassed on uh, Sunday. We played in Phoenix on Saturday. I spent Sunday with my parents who live in Phoenix. My dad is going to be 80 in February and <laughs> hangs his own Christmas. He's out house. there.
3: Yeah. My, my dad's 75. He's well, gone. Yeah. I, want to ask, I want to ask a further question. Did you pay the guy that hung the lights with cash or with tickets to Week King's games?
4: No, it was always cash. It was cash. Oh, All cash. Right. Yeah, I've okay. never been real strong at mowing grass, shoveling snow or hanging Christmas. <laughs>
1: <out>. <laughs> the hired help did I staff to cut to the grass do that. in the cottage? No, no, nope. Okay, I not don't, I don't right. Grass anywhere. <laughs> the staff of the McCrimmon Estates it's not easy. How about you?
3: You got your lights already up? No, but they're uh, they're they're coming out uh, on Saturday. Uh, the elf on the shelf uh, arrived at my house last night, so mm-hmm. that uh, is the signal that uh, the elf on the shelf. For those who don't know, is a uh, it's an elf that comes from the North Pole and. Uh, moves around your house to mysterious different places and uh, brings great joy to the little ones. So uh, my daughter is, uh, I, I i left to go, go early this morning to do TV, came back to the house around 7, and she is just waking up, and Daddy, Daddy, the Elf on the Shelf came last night. So big excitement around the house. Uh, the last couple of years in Winnipeg, I you hired You still haven't somebody. answered his question. Yeah, right? I, 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 <laughs> thank you. Uh, Talking about gosh. the Elf on the Shelf, my goodness. <laughs> uh uh I'm going to fold, but I'm not going to hire anyone. I'm going to have Pico come over and do it. <laughs> <laughs> As usual.
1: No, thanks, Tyler, oh. for
2: coming in. Oh.
3: <laughs> Oh, hell no.
2: I'm with Kelly on this. I don't do any of that stuff. Cutting grass. Because yeah, oh, I, I come have to do it, do it, do it up all the time. Come uh, you know, on. I, I, a, and and I don't hire anybody at all. I don't. I you let my wife handle that. Yeah. Yeah. But, hey, <laughs> uh, the thing is, I, I'm interested in ghost because he's, I think he's got Clark Griswold on his street. I dropped him <laughs> I off last night, and there is quite a display a few houses down. Sure. He's got to
1: really up his game. Talk about having to keep up with the Joneses. Like, <laughs> the people in my neighborhood had Christmas lights up before Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, Nigel and I were, were driving down the street last night. He goes, where's Clark Griswold when you need him? Like, my neighborhood in Summerlin? It's lit. It's lit up, but it was lit up a week ago. So uh, the answer is I have to raise just out of peer pressure. I'm going to have to. Now, I did it back in Boston. Here's the one problem. Most of my outdoor Christmas lights are still back in Boston, so I have to go out and purchase it's, them. Like you said,
2: for jackets, you
1: can buy lights here. Yes, I can buy <laughs> lights here. The Home here. Depot, oddly a, enough, they have yes. Christmas lights. Right not are far they a sponsor? From my house. They
3: better be a sponsor. They no there. But
1: I did it back in Boston, and then you, you'd get, like, one light would be out in the oh, street. The and you, I'm ready to lose see, that's my a problem. mind. I did
2: it Snap once, and, 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 my, and right. my wife was not impressed, so I said, okay. Yeah, I, can, I can see well, it. Well, I was in I'll charge a, of that. I'm
0: gonna raise. I'll be getting it done uh, soon. I was in charge of that, w- w- helping my dad hang the exterior Tony lights. Tony Duva. Gone. Tony Duva was uh, meticulous in his Christmas decorating. I have lived... Um, in an apartment buildings in both Las Vegas and in Syracuse, so I've never had to worry about exterior <laughs> lighting. Get off, but uh, I, so yeah, so but I uh, I I had some quality bonding time with Dad helping to hang the exterior lights. So I uh, I'm gonna raise on this, but also recognize I have done interior Christmas decorating. I know that's not the question, but to the extent that I gave my fake Christmas tree to one of my former interns in Syracuse, and it was just raised in his apartment, the same tree, so it lives on, even though I'm not there, with the lights that I uh, put on it. So there you have it. Can I throw one quick one... (laughs) Fake tree or real tree? Oh, I, well, I prefer the real tree, but it was not possible given where I was living. So the razor so.
3: fold, uh, so uh, let, this is good. This is yeah. excellent. This fake is tree. a better question than the one that I wrote. Well,
0: <laughs> fake
1: tree or real tree, Krim? Razor fold. Fake tree at the McCrimmons. Yeah. Fake tree? Uh, real. Yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't believe I why Kelly it's... and I are right on the same page here. <laughs> <laughs> had to go buy it a new should tree. be pretty <laughs> obvious with us. Is whatever's easiest. Oh, so, yeah, it's Fake tree. I'm real tree all the way, all the way. Now, I go out I'm, into the middle of the forest, I'm like kind of Clark, there's I like like chop it, how, it down.
3: I'm. Hot. How does the real tree last in Vegas? Where do you like? Where do they come from? This is gonna I don't be, know where they come this from. This going to be fascinating. What's about to go down here? You, put now, a, you uh, should understand. maybe bring
4: back Christmas trees from Winnipeg instead. Of I'll one call Rick I can call Rick St. Croix, <laughs> yeah. so Rick St. Croix goalie
3: coach extraordinary. Yeah, we got on the plane. Christmas Christmas tree lot guy. What? Water or a can of Coke? No, the, I usually uh, just do water. Just do with water, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And after the first couple days, Rumble. it doesn't need. I like Oh, no, that's not the question.
1: <laughs> that's, that's why. what goes in your Trees
0: <laughs> 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 What's your, Did you answer this, Dan? I I, uh, I would go real tree. That's my preference. As I said, I, I uh, unfortunately, given the building I was living in was, I, I could not put a, bring oh, a real tree in. So I a What about this year? Well, I, that's probably not going to happen. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I, I think that there's... uh there, there might a little chance there'll be no tree? Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a tree. Uh, no in tree? The, in there's the grotto? A, no, I, I don't I don't think so. Maybe a little... Uh, you, I, are I, I got, I, <laughs> you are the Grinch.
1: You are the live
0: Grinch. No, I, I'm there. often... I, I mean, I will turn on, uh, you know, some uh, some Frank Sinatra Christmas carols or something at some point, but... Uh, this is know. the
3: greatest Dan Duva story I've ever heard, and it was told to me by the doc, Mike Emmerich. Oh, yeah. A couple years ago, Duva and the Syracuse Crunch... Where they had played their last game prior to uh, the Christmas break, yeah, and you're bussing from Allentown,
0: Hershey, from Hershey back yeah. to
3: Syracuse. Yeah, the bus breaks down.
0: Yeah, it was it was really oh, something because because yeah. Doc and I were doing the game together in Hershey, and on the way back. Uh, Remember, everybody's thinking about, okay, I got a flight. I got a – Matt Terramina was – when we got back to Syracuse, was going to get in the car drive through the night to Michigan. Bus breaks down for the second time in a week, by the way, somewhere near Wilkes-Barre, and everybody's quite upset. Uh, This was also a game where Syracuse had an early lead but then gave it up, had to play nine defensemen, two of them playing forward. Bus breaks down in Wilkes-Barre. Everybody's upset. Next to me on the bus was the big speaker they bring into the locker room. I plugged in my iPad. Turned it on, turned on the Christmas channel, and the very first song that played, Frank Sinatra, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Oh, there you go. That broke the mood. Everybody laughed. Then it was okay. New bus came to pick us up. But the next day, as you know, being from New Jersey, I had dinner at a restaurant. With Frank Sinatra. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> on frank sinatra boulevard in hoboken new jersey there you go but as i'm sitting there i, I gave the doc uh, the play-by-play there in That's an email great. to thank him for being part of the broadcast so he he enjoys that story and luke Witkowski became one of his favorite players because he was among the defensemen playing for that night and now he's often playing forward for Detroit.
3: Don't be afraid to get Doc on our podcast. I know, I'll you know, uh, see
0: what I can you do. do yeah. save Send all them these them things
3: text. for <laughs> series,
1: All right? <laughs> would have been better if you had, the story would have been a lot better if you had lunch or dinner with Sinatra. But well, uh, that That's fine. Would, <laughs> cool, yeah. That would have been a long-distance call, but that's fine. <laughs> all right, we're down to our last segment here, Dan. You get your number two pencil out here for our show wrap Um Foley Food and Wines. Hey, before you go, Kelly, before that, Kelly, thank you so much. Like, we, we just wanted to have a little interview with you. Then we roped you into this raise and fold thing. So we know you have a lot more important things to do, but thanks for stopping No, by thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Oh, that's great. Kelly McCrimmon, the assistant GM of the Vegas Golden Knights, our guest of the day and more so here on the SLG ND podcast. So now we'll get to the uh, final segment here. And, of course, as always brought to you by Foley Food, uh, Foley Family Food food and wines the who did the best here today dan what what did we mess up who had the most uh, best arguments who were the stars
0: what do you got that's a good question first off i have to make note on the fact check there were a lot of numbers brought to bear today i could not find one statistical mistake and all of the things now there was the one you know uh, a slip of the tongue here or there but statistically speaking i could not discover a single fact-based error so nicely done Gary thought Derek Stepan was a defenseman. Well, what are we talking about? that's... That's not what I thought at all. That's not what I thought at all. Okay, that's that's fine. Shane? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, there you go. So so we come to the stars of the program. Uh, and and first off, the three-star standings. Now, Sheriff won two out of three. Uh, Gary had won one in between. Now... The last program, uh, statistically speaking, Dave Gosher was victorious. Thank you. Bill Foley pointed to the arguments from Shane Knighty, but uh, we we brought this to an arbitrator and we determined that in fact Dave Gosher oh. was the first star After for last week's review, program. Sheriff, further review. So that means Sheriff has won twice: Lawless and go Gosher. With, I'll
2: go with what the owners said. Yeah, I don't <laughs> okay. very uh, Okay. The guy guys honest, signs the checks. Uh, I don't like. I would agree that Gosher
3: won, yeah, but you no won question. in the moment. So to have uh. this arbitrated at a later date—that's
0: baloney. I just take that. I'll take the win. Who, I who
3: decided that?
0: <laughs> uh, that's uh, to uh, higher authority. To I take determine. a par anyway. I can get it. I take a double. So anyhow, any way I can get let's get it. to today's <laughs> program. Um, I, I think that there is uh, no doubt that one particular person came with most of his facts, whether defenseman or forward. I think that's beside the point. The research, the numbers were strongly behind. Gary Lawless. The fact that you would go behind and find the the number of seconds on that Cody Eakin shift, a number of other areas of the program today, the the career games, you know, for... uh, you know, for uh, say Bobby Clark and so on and so forth, that stuff was very impressive. So today, the Lawman is uh, number one star. you solid today, yeah. So Congratulations, justice, justice had, finally
2: served on this program. Can I do a? Fa- I did a fact check to my own. Uh-huh. Dan Doo was able to bring Syracuse into the conversation <laughs> eight times, and Gary Lawless was able to feed in and add six more times Syracuse into the podcast. Bingo. So between the two of them, I'm no surprise these first. Sold. So
1: that's 14 Syracuse references. We'll see if we can get over under. I think we try to get to 20 next time. 20. I, I'm shooting for 21. Dan, that's that's what you. we need. More Syracuse. Back to you, Dave. Here in Vegas. Alright, Dan. Thanks very much. and Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Day podcast. Hashtag SLGND from our studios in Vegas. We'll talk to you next time.